Thank you for joining us on Vagina Talks. I'm thrilled to have you here and I want to have you everywhere we are. So I want to invite you to come check out the Patreon. That is where you can support, become a member, join the virtual temple, get behind scenes, all the good stuff, support this podcast so that we can keep bringing you the medicine, the free flow, the real, 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 real talk. Would love to have you as part of the community over there. Consider yourself invited. Come on over. I'm Samantha Rise, and welcome to Vagina Talks, where we speak about, to, and from vaginas. This is a show of alchemy, where we turn poison into medicine, disconnection into wisdom, and isolated wounds into communal peacemaking. Here's your host, Sophia Wise One. You already know everything they can teach you. You already know everything they could say. We are here to remind you what you already, already, already know. I just want to take a minute to acknowledge that Vagina Talks understands that gender is fluid and dynamic and goes way beyond the binary of either woman or man, she or him, and that in fact it's a living and evolving thing that's actually personal, person to person, and that our bodies, even our understanding or the ways that we experience them can vary. It's important for me that that's something that has space here on Vagina Talks, and at the same time, I also am carrying this understanding that womanhood and the experience of the feminine and all of the female in the splitting of that binary has been injured, has been hurt, has been dismantled. And so I'm looking to have a space where the feminine and the female and the female body is reclaimed and respected and lifted and inspected and known, as well as a space that goes beyond the binary and that acknowledges that these are limited constructs mostly put upon us and that we're in the process of evolving into something more whole and more true. Just wanted to say that some of my guests will use incredibly binary language for whatever reason from the places that they come from. And I just wanted to let you know that Vagina Talks has a much wider understanding and it's a living one. So feel free to chime in as we go along. Without further ado, today's episode. Hello and welcome to Vagina Talks. I'm Sophia Wise One and I am honored and delighted that you're joining me today. The show will be every other week for a while now until some other clarity comes through. And I hope that that gives you lots of time and space to take in each episode in whatever way serves you best. Today's episode is a little bit of a throwback. I did an interview with David Wilcox about four years ago, and we talk about music as medicine and the journey of being an artist. And I really, 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 really am into the connection, the understanding of womb energy and vagina talks being about the creativity and the creatrix and authenticity and connection. And this is just a little gem from back in the day before the official podcasting experience started. And I wanted to connect and and share and brew together. So here is conversation with David Wilcox, a national treasure folk 
beauty darling dear and Kim Fleischer, my wife at the time of this recording. I hope it serves you and nourishes you in this time of deep contemplation that a lot of us are going through in terms of the revealing and the listening and the becoming. I hope there are sweet gems in here for you in your time and may the medicine you need find you with ease and may you open and surrender to its nourishment with even more ease. Enjoy. Here's a picture of a bright blue bird Standing on the open hand Of a woman with long red hair On the edge of a windswept land Long fall to the rocks below Dark thread of a storm behind Light shines on her smiling face Looking up at these hills to climb She can feel the wind right now Wash away her tracks and plans If you want to live this life Gotta hold it with an open hand Open Hi, it's Sophia Wise One, Daughter of the Wind, and I am here on a cross-country road trip with my wife, Kim Fleischer. Say hi, wife. Hello. Um, and we have the awesome pleasure of sitting here in Asheville with all the sounds of life with our dear, beloved friend and brilliant musician and walking medicine Dear presence on oh, this planet. That's nice. Walking medicine. That's you, Dave. So, uh, welcome to our time together as I introduce uh, our beautiful friend, David Wilcox. Hi. Hi. It's so good that you're here, and our home is a better home because you're here. Hmm. Or at least we notice that it's a home. <laughs> um, we're. we're uh, it's really sweet having you here. And um, Nate and his friends, my son Nate, is uh, getting the studio warmed up to uh, start to play music with his friends. They just arrived. So you're hearing somebody, you know, like tuning the drums right now in the upstairs studio. It's so good to be here. I One of the favorite things is that, you know, we first started our friendship at Omega, the Omega Institute, where you are invited to host and hold the space as our musical doctor, holding a space for musical medicine. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how one of the things you do there is listen, really, really listen. And you listen to both the people who come to you for this musical medicine and also... Um, for the song and the music to come in response to that. Those two places of listening. Let's start there. That is a fascinating thing. When when musical medicine happens, I listen one at a time as people talk about sort of how it is being them this day. And I, I, I imagine that there could be a song 
that I make up on the spot and I I lean into their heart and I, I sort of uh, as if I'm kind of putting my my head like inside their little bubble of how they feel about being them and uh, and I um, hi welcome can I park there you can park anywhere you like See ya. Have fun. More musicians coming. Um, I listen in to sort of how it is to be them. And I imagine that singing a song from a surprising point of view, like they tell me a little of what's going on, a little of their story, a little of maybe what's got them uh, sort of not at peace but then um, I sing the song from the point of view of a character in the story that it's not a major character, but it's just someone who has an interesting perspective, maybe a, a way of seeing this adversity uh, in a way that uh, they haven't seen it that way before. And, um, and so the fun part is that for me, the listening is not just the logical, here's the story they told about what's going on with them. It's as if I kind of put my curiosity into their sort of, their worldview, their their little bubble of consciousness. And I, uh, I'm, I'm feeling into, um, yeah, it's a different kind of listening. It's a listening of um, um, instead of like seeing objectively and judging the way they're seeing things, instead of trying to like solve a problem, mm. I'm looking at it just with curiosity, like, wow, this is a beautiful point of view and a point of view that maybe I could never get to. And so I have this chance to see the world in a different way. And so when I lean into that um, and just trust that it's true for them um, and, uh, and yet I, I can sing it with, um, again, not a, a judgment, not a sort of like this is what's wrong kind of a vibe, but more like, um, 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 like this is part of a story that we don't know where it's going, but it's, it's just a fascinating, um, fascinating set of assumptions, I guess. Um, so that's the kind of listening that I really enjoy. Um, and it's very different than the way I usually meet people, because usually I'm, you know, talking about stuff that I, I'm aware of our differences, you know, like I, I love to put together a complicated argument about, like, a point of view. Mm -hmm. And this is very different than that. <laughs> it's really, um, it's uh, just an opening into their world. Hmm. Do you do you have any way to describe in words how 
the music that accompanies the words that you respond with happens? Because I've seen it happen so many times, it just kind of get quiet and you can tilt your head a little bit to the side and look kind of, I feel like it, it looks to me almost like you're listening to them and listening to space and listening to the guitar at the same time and then something happens where it's just like, oh, that's the right... Yeah. That's the right chord, or that's the right tuning, or that's the right... Yeah, there are times when I, I, I can get a sense of what it feels like to be this person, to be in that situation. And then, it's as if, uh, you know, when, when you're making a movie, you have the scene, and then you think, oh, there ought to be music. Mm. Because the music would sort of tell people sort of what it feels like. Um, help guide their emotions and and so um, when I'm aware of what it feels like then my my job is to um, sort of bring that emotion into sound and and sometimes it's just um, there's a pattern just in the way the events happened um, that then can get transposed almost physically into a pattern in the music. For example, mm. um, uh, somebody is facing this really tough decision and they know that they have to rely on this and this, but then they just met this person and, and then these other ideas are really important to them. And so there's... Um, there's this abiding sort of like, I know I need this, but then this other person needs this. And so musically, if you had to sort of impersonate that, if you had to uh, sort of uh, put that same pattern into a pattern of sound, you know, you could have a strong abiding pulse on a low string and you could have this wonderful like triplet time, uh, real complementary rhythm that was a, a nice descending sort of uh, chord that you could um, you could put the two together and uh, and have um, you know this that you could have the sound tell the same story. Cannot, sorry. Thanks for asking. I remember one could and one couldn't. Yeah. Alrighty. Yeah, you just get some sugar, that's all. No treats. <laughs> Have a good day. Thank you much. It's the last day for shorts, maybe. Gotta enjoy it. Jing Dog, come. My dad Jing. was a mailman for 40 years. Jing! Come. Jing Dog! Jing! Are you sure I get no treat? I got a treat last time. It's not fair. I'm still really cute. I'm still am fluffy. Four legs. Come on! Come back. Hey. So how'd it go, Jing? Did you talk him into it? No. <laughs> 
So talking for the dog is really the same um, same imagine, imagination kind of exercise as doing musical medicine. You just kind of put yourself in that position and you sort of, sort of lean in and, and, and speak what would be spoken. And uh, it might not be any more accurate than speaking for the dog. I mean, so often I will speak for the dog and Nance will disagree with me. She'll <laughs> say, she's not saying that, she's saying this. And I say, no, no, you have to do it with the high voice. And she'll, she'll say, why does the dog speak in a high voice? Duh, the dog speaks in a high voice. Everybody knows that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever find that when you listen to someone's story and then you lean in to respond that the music comes first and then the voice? Yes. Um, I can get a feeling musically and just trust that. And then I just ask the question the other way. I'll say, okay, so this is the soundtrack of a scene. Right. What's, the, What's scene? the scene? Yeah. And Sophia, I've seen you do a couple rounds of musical medicine with Steve. Yeah. How is it for you when you add your your soundtrack and voice in? Yeah, it's well, you do just you've just done the voice and have not have you added music also? Uh, I don't. I mean, not with um, my 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 string instrument is incredibly limited at home with my mandolin. Maybe like one or two or three chords or something like that, but. Um, uh, in sessions or in other ways or places that I have done that. Um, usually percussion is the only kind of added instrumentation. But the experience of making medicine with Dave, I think I, what happens is it is so much literally a physical leaning in that happens where, and for me, my heart starts to like pound. Like it's like it gets really, really loud. And, uh, and it's almost like a adrenaline rush that comes first. That's like, uh, it's, it's like there's a, there's, what I'm seeing is it's like, it's dispersed something that starts to create a form somewhere in my belly. And then it tries to move up through my body, like out my mouth. And so I literally have this, it's this like. I don't know, it's almost like a slow panic. I, I think it's the, when someone described to me why Quakers were called Quakers was because they would sit in meeting and they'd sit in quiet until they were motivated to speak. But, but the motivation to speak was the quaking. They were uh, Quakers and Shakers or were a contemplative gathering until you were literally moved, physically moved. And, and that's what happens for me. So I'll either get a feeling that just makes me want to open my mouth and see what happens, or I'll hear a singular line, like just a few words, or I'll start to hear a, a, a tune. So any one of those can happen first. Um, I love the urgency when you describe it as a slow panic. That's so <laughs> cool. Like, I know this has to happen. I know it has to happen now. I don't know what it is yet. <laughs> What is going to come out of my mouth if I open it? I have no idea. Yeah. And the other thing I observed when the two of you do it together is that, Sophia, you literally lean in 
physically, like you're practically sitting in his lap. <laughs> like if the guitar wasn't there, you'd be sitting in his lap. And it's almost like you're kind of connecting mm. your heartbeats or something. Yeah. Like that resonance and channeling yeah. the next line or the next. That feels really sort of like simple and natural. It, it feels sort of like um, uh, the... Um, so I, I love to describe it as this impossible thing we're trying to do. And so if we're trying to do something that's impossible and we add a level of complexity, like there's this whole other being, this whole other life form that's going to come in, then I think, oh, my God, that's just how could, you know, just thinking about like, well, there's two of us and there's one of them and we're singing a song for them and how could that, you know, that just goes, that's impossible. <laughs> but if we just lean together it's you know the the sort of brain against brain it we sort of drop the body all together you know and we just mm. kind of have this thing where okay now we're both inside this other person's body you know <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it that's exactly it yeah and it is a looking it's it's funny because it, you know i asked you about listening and there's a listening but the the feeling is this leaning in and it and it often is especially with you, this like leaning in and it is, it's like, I'm looking for that, that landscape, um, or that the next, the piece, like, what is it? It's like a, it's a feeling. It's similar to when I'm working on someone's body, when I'm, when I'm physically doing work, yeah. healing work, that kind of, it's like, I'm seeing it, I'm feeling it, I'm hearing it. Uh, um, and the harder, the tighter I get or the harder yeah. I try to find it, the more likely I'm going to miss it. So there's this like leaning in, but this constant kind of like, uh, letting go and being curious and mm. not holding too tight or yeah. else I get stuck in my own, my own idea. Yeah. Lean in, let go. Yeah. It really feels like, um, if you get an idea, you have to do it on the next breath or it's gone. Uh, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, uh, that happens uh, sometimes too, yeah. right? Like there'll be some, when yeah. I'm doing sessions with people or like on people and then, and or with other people, there'll be, or in ritual or something, there'll be a moment where I want to say something, I feel quick to do it, but I'm nervous or uh -huh. anxious or, you know, feel not confident. And then then I have to keep listening. Like, is it still the moment? Right. Sometimes it's like, nope, it passed. <laughs> and then I have to wait and see if another moment comes and it could be the same or it could be different. Mm -hmm. I have to make sure they're tuning the right guitar. Uh-oh. It's only a half step can't do that much damage. Okay, I'm fine. <laughs> There's one guitar of mine that has really heavy strings on it, and if they tune it up, it would hurt, but I think that's tuned down about a fourth. So, this they're only tuning up a half step. T tell me about the, the knowledge or the love affair with the friends that are your instruments. Um, uh, 
Here's a funny story. There's a mythical story around sort of studio gear that says that there's this particular microphone that is the best microphone if you only had one microphone. Um, the 414, everyone says, yeah, well, if you could only buy one mic, buy the 414, because it'll do a pretty good job of everything. You can do vocals, you can do guitars. And then you talk to someone who's like, you know, like a really good studio engineer. And they say, what do you think about the 414? And they say, I hate the 414. It does nothing well. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> because it doesn't have a personality. Uh -huh. It's just like, oh, okay. You know, whatever. You know, whereas some mics, you put them on a voice and it just says, I love you. Mm. I've known you all your life since before you were born. <laughs> and, and there's other, you know, you take that same mic and you put it in front of, you know, a piano and it'll just say, all I hear is an earthquake. There's just way too much low end. It just doesn't work at all. Mm. And, and so, you know, there's some mics where they just do one thing and that's the same way with, uh, Guitars. I love quirky guitars that do one thing really well. Mm -hmm. And so the thing about owning lots of guitars is that it's a way to experiment uh, with uh, having a, a real strong gravity toward one kind of sound. And so uh, let's say there's a song you're kind of thinking about writing and you come to a guitar and it's like, you know, it's like an old Gibson that's got this really punchy kind of low end and it's, it's a very mild sort of high frequency. It's, it's got a lot of sort of, it just loves to play short notes quickly. And so you just start playing these like rolling finger style kind of riffs, you know, and and it's got clarity and it's got punch. But you would never come to that guitar to play those long sort of open chords with the added nine that just ring and sustain. Because that guitar would look at that stuff and just say, Can we can we get going here? This is just so this is just so legato. And and so uh, it's so fun when you're wondering where a song is going to go just to bring it to each one of these guitars because they're so opinionated. Mm. You bring it to the Gibson and it'll say, oh, I think it's a fast finger style. And you say to it, you always think that. <laughs> <laughs> and the guitar says, I'm always right. And you say, well, that's only because I only play those songs on you. And so, you know, exactly. And so, uh, there are some guitars that I have that are kind of frankencasters they're made out of parts and they're they they do uh this one thing really well and uh and so it's a real help and it's it's the kind of thing that i wish i could do with my emotional state like i could be there have been times when i have practiced taking a song that i think i know even a song that i wrote and kind of asking myself, hey, have you ever sung this song like from a character who's really, really hurt, like almost angry? Mm. And I think, well, it's not that kind of song. How do you know? Have you tried it? Well, okay, try it. 
and lean into that, you know, or come to a, a, a punchy little, you know, like preachy song that has this kind of opinion, you know, and it's really confident. And have you ever sung it from the point of view of someone who's really hurt, who's been like shot down? Mm. And, and what does that do? How does that, you know, do, do you find a way to sing the same song with a kind of a humble thing? And uh, so the, the thing that those different guitars can do with the sound, with the feel of a song, I would love to be able to, you know, like here I am experiencing this beautiful sunny day and there's all these different ways of being in my head and in my heart that could give it a whole different sort of lighting that could really change the, you know, like I could sing this song from the point of view of the person who used to live here. And I say to myself, well, wait a minute, I live here. Yeah, but you won't always. Mm. And so what happens if I'm looking at this like, oh, God, remember when I used to live here? And suddenly the trees are more green, you know? Yeah. And so there's just ways of shifting that state that I love about guitars. And so that's why you need at least a hundred guitars. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's what I keep thinking while you're saying all that, which is, is it the same way with your friends? Would you say that you have a similar experience with your, wow. your social? You mean like you go to certain friends for certain kind of listening? Yeah. Yeah. There's a certain uh, facet of my gem that sort of meets a certain facet of their, yeah, there's a certain part of me that I turn toward them uh, because they understand it. And mm. maybe that part of me I would not show to someone who I thought couldn't handle it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's cool. That's, and I imagine, you know, you would rather have a hundred distinct, unique, quirky... Ah! Ah, ah, ah. Friends, then what was it a 414 oh my god yeah. <laughs> and then like oh one like general person who's good at that is interesting yeah. isn't it yeah nance and i have our uh our varying opinions about some really interesting quirky friends i have friends who um i would love to have a little of what they have and i mean a little because <laughs> they have too much and but the 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 fact that they have it uh -huh. and I don't, uh -huh. it just is so intriguing to me because I think, you know, the world would be a different place for me if I could just have, you know, 5% of what they have. Mm. And I love that. And, you know, I mean, an aspect of their personality, like I have a friend who really never questions his sense of belonging. Mm. I mean, never. And it's, it's bordering on, you know, like antisocial behavior right. because he's just like, he'll strike up a conversation with anybody anywhere about really deep, wonderful, personal stuff and just, just feel like he's totally their equal. And it doesn't matter if he's talking to the president of the United States or whatever. Mm -hmm. He'll just kind of like start talking basketball and whatever. And it's just, and I'm, I'm amazed at him. And I say, you know, how could you do that? And he says, well, I'm good at what I do. He's good at what he does. They're different. I mean, I couldn't compete with him at what he does. But then again, he couldn't compete with me at what I do. Mm. And I think, well, that's so weird to have that kind of confidence. And uh, I have, I teased him once. I said, uh, wouldn't it be fun if just once 
you were like hanging out at a dinner party and you'd been there for an hour and a half and somebody comes by to you and says, hey, I didn't know you were here. And he said, yeah, that'll never happen. <laughs> You're going to hear me across the room. <laughs> that will never happen. Yeah. <laughs> I, in my dream last night, I'm just remembering I was talking, I was hanging out with the president. All right. We were talking, but I can't remember what we were talking about. Wow. I hope you solved some stuff. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. But it's funny that you're talking about that playing songs from different perspectives. It, it, it's reminding me of that book that you guys have in the bathroom. I have to remember there's one chapter this bamboo Japanese flute player mm. and he I was telling Dave he only plays seven of 21 ancient songs and he plays eight he, I was reading today he plays up to eight hours a day he said I guess that's why I don't have a job <laughs> <laughs> he plays eight eight hours a day and one song he was talking about was 12 over 1200 years old and he said he'll play it from different perspectives like being grumpy or being happy or whatever and just he just gets so carried away with the depth you can take different versions different slight nuances of feeling in one song and the the, the flute itself like there was a whole story about it. just him getting the flute and learning how to play it took him a whole year just to learn to play one note his fingers couldn't even fit on because the holes are so big mm. There is something about a life spent with a discipline. I love that what I'm trying to do um, is always new to me. I love that every time I set out to make a record, I eventually get to the place where I just say, I, I don't know how to do this. I don't even know what it's for. I have to kind of reinvent it, and I have to really imagine... You know, who am I talking to? And and where am I going to meet them? And, you know, sort of how is this... Yeah. That makes me think of the question, which is, you know, artists and and healers, which, you know, I view you as, as both, right? And, and most of them, I think I... I if people are willing to own it, I think artistry and, and healing in either direction are, are, are kind of one and the same or, you know, uh, uh, when they're whole include, include both. Yeah. Um, but this is the dance of the school bus. Yeah. And, um, my question is, my thought is, um, I guess it's a question. You write the music that you feel like you need to write, that needs to come through you. And yet when you talk about the record, it's the conversation, it's the people listening that you're writing it for or to. And I think that that place of, like, do you do it because you have to do it, because this is your driving force and you're, you're the you're a musician and you need to make music or do you do it because the music that you have is music that people need to hear 
Yeah, that's a tough line. I feel like, um... I feel like it has changed a lot over the years. Um, I know that, for me, putting together a bunch of songs is like gathering data on a chart, and I can say to myself, um, oh, look, this is what I've been thinking about this past year. Mm. This is what I have been struggling with. This is sort of the course that I took through the wilderness. And for the first time, when you see the way the songs fit together, you can say, ah, I know what this last year was about. Mm. Um, but, you know, it, it's weird because when you're living it, it's not so obvious. It just feels like, well, I took this little detour and I took that little detour and I'm, I, I don't even know where I'm going. But when you see the whole series of songs, you can say, oh, I'm headed from the territory of here to the territory of there. It just sort of is obvious. And so putting together a record is a, a necessary part of my navigation, I think. Um, and, and then once I get the lesson that I need to learn from it, um, and I, I know sort of the songs that are most important and how they fit together, then I, I have the question of is there enough information here that someone could get that story out of it? It's not just my sort of secret journal language, but it's, <laughs> is it really there? And so then I sometimes have to write a couple songs that will work as, uh, uh, to sort of put the rest of them in the right perspective. Um, like chapters in a book? Yeah. So, am I right in hearing you say that you'll write a bunch of songs and then in the composition of a record, sometimes you'll write additional songs so as to have the story be communicated? Yeah, I mean, the way it works on the surface is you have a bunch of songs and you say to yourself, what's the name of the record? What's the name of the record is another way of saying what's the most important thing here? What's the theme? What's the, what's the journey in this? And then, once you have the name of the record, you usually want that to be a song, the title track. And so, uh, you know, like, I looked at a bunch of songs and I said, this seems to be about searching and being found. Oh, cool. And so I said to myself, it's as if the record is kind of speaking to that beautiful guidance that I don't even understand and saying how did you find me here mm. so then I said okay so I need a song called how did you find me here and that sort of even though it was in the middle of the record it was pretty obvious that that was kind of the the overriding kind of map of what these songs did for me uh, how they came together yeah Mm. Yeah. Mm. Nate sometimes plays bass, sometimes plays drums. Everybody's good at several different instruments, so we used to be able to tell who was playing what. Julian's the best drummer. You can usually tell when Julian's drumming. <laughs> But uh, it's fun hearing them 
up there. They they just ended one of their little musical wanderings. <laughs> and uh, I love how they'll start with a simple part, like the guitar player will do a little riff, you know, and then they'll find these little complementary ways of sort of adding to it. And uh, it's a it's a jam that evolves. I love playing in Nate's band. <laughs> I used to kind of sheepishly kind of like sneak over into the corner and get an extra electric guitar, plug it into a smaller amp, and then mostly just wait, mostly just wait until the tune had formed and I'd find a way to make my little part add, you know. And then the coolest part is, you know, like somebody will like look over at me and give me the nod, like, yeah. Yeah, man. It's so fun. Well, it's a callback to belonging right there, right? Yeah. That nod, that like, add my little voice and yeah. it's a go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, we're good. Awesome. The nod. The nod is the central. Yeah. The nod. Yeah. The central hey, nod. It's okay that I'm here. It's okay that I'm here. Yeah. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to take this moment. I'm going to, this is like, I'm, you can't see this because you're listening to our recorded voices, but I'm, I'm looking at. Dave and looking at Kim like it's okay you person listening it is okay that you're here it's okay we're here yeah like that is I can't even it like breaks my heart a little bit like in a in the way that love does um so it's not like super heavy but it's it's tangible of like how much that at the at the end of the day that's what we're we're aching or we're asking about is it okay is it okay that i'm here is it okay that i'm i took up space that i uh, i breathed air i ate food i i had a feeling or i didn't eat food i joined or, your conversation i joined your conversation you know how how frequent um from the little tiny moments to entire life choices like it's i'm gonna like capitalize on this moment and say it again like it's okay it's okay that you're here yeah that's a beautiful thing and that's a lot of what I want out of music um, mm. the the goal of music for me is to have the same feelings in the rest of my life that I have when I do this little microcosm of music yeah um, the feelings of belonging mm. of uh, clarity of mm. you know finding a harmony mm. uh, and um, you know, eventually to outgrow having to have that sort of translator, sort of uh, the guitar being the way that I, you know, it used to be years ago, people would say, so Dave, what do you think about so-and-so? And I would say, can I sing you a song? And they'd say, can you talk? <laughs> and I'd say, not really. I need to sing. Mm. And so uh, the lessons that I learned about boldness and about sort of really getting a deep answer, um, a truer answer than just my initial hunch or my initial reaction, um, I, want, I want to have that in my life. And I'm getting it more and more, and so my life is more and more in harmony. Mm. Uh, the lessons that I learned from the microcosm do apply. 
It's pretty fun. Mm -hmm. And I'm so happy that I decided that I wanted to be, you know, use music as a way of tuning my attitude and my emotion mm. um, so that I could be more alive. Because I'm sure there are people who come to music to, like, pick at a scab. And, like, they play a song that makes them feel terrible. Because uh, they got in the habit of feeling terrible. And so they're practicing going the wrong direction. Well, wrong, I don't know. Maybe their sense of comfort and identity is strong enough that uh, being miserable is sort of home. I don't know. But I didn't want that. I wanted songs that would that would wake me up and bring me more life. Music as practice. Yeah. Can you say that again, Kim? I said music as practice and spiritual practice, practice for the rest of your life. Yeah. You yeah. talk a lot about that as being with teachers, right? Be careful who you study with because you'll become like them. Yeah, that the the essence of, of what practice. someone teaches is really who they are. And by the same, I think, you know, you know, not wanting to go into like a hard and fast line here. Right. I think Relative. that relatively that the that um, my experience of you, Dave, and your music is that bringing me towards my aliveness, acknowledging deep feelings, and bringing me through them, uh -huh. through them into yeah. into now. Not even through them into happiness, but through the 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 feeling that is a, a memory or a story into this kind of like okay now now here I am you know I don't know if you, you don't know the story but I uh, was almost two years ago I think over two years ago now Kim and I were having some sort of difficulty and I had gone to bed and in my dream Nate and Nance showed up and um, and you were showing up and and you were going to sing a song to me in my dream yeah. and uh, and so I woke up and, and Kim and I were having a hard time just communicating, just really finding that place in the present moment, that place like, which is like everything one said to the other just made it worse. You know, we all know that moment where it's like, yeah. oh, really? Is that what you have to say? <laughs> that's like, not what I meant. That's not what I meant. It's like, oh, well, if that's what you think I meant, you know. And I just, I stopped and I said, can we, can I just, can I play you a song? Uh, and she said yes and we just laid we ended up laying on the floor and listening to maybe six or seven of your songs and just allowed that place of like washing over the story of life until we could just turn the music off and look at each other and go like okay that this is this is like life, this jamming right here. They're like, you know. <laughs> yeah. I love how it went from kind of a police vibe in the last song to now we're on the B-52s. It reminds me of that movie we watched the other day, Mad, 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 Mad World, yeah. where the woman was doing the like, really yeah. intense dancing with no words. Yeah. If anybody hasn't seen that, ever. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Bringing, bringing through to the to the now you know which again it's like not to roll everything up into into one thing but that that practice you know Kim and I just talk about 
you know, practice is redundant that like, you know, it's you supposed it's supposed to be redundant because the, you know, all of them, all the practices, at least that we engage in are about bringing you to the, to the present moment. So it's like, you know, acknowledging feelings or chanting or that there's these repetition, there's a repetition to what happens in the process of a practice. So what for you in, in the music yeah. or in a silent meditation or, um, or in, in ritual. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe not even just the repetition, but the idea that like they bring you to this same place and you get, there's, n- there's never going to, you're never going to be exhausted by getting to that place. <laughs> you want to get to that ah. place as many times as possible. Yeah. Using the same practice, different practices, like mm. the redundancy of returning to that place is the place. Yeah. Arriving. It's so fun that the idea sort of had the same arc as the jam, mm-hmm. you know? So now we're in the, like, a, what do we talk about next? <laughs> And the jam is like in there too. Everyone's just kind of fishing and tuning, and it's kind of fun. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I'm kind of inclined to just say, like, is there anything, you know, a moment, right? A moment potentially through the through the waves of the internet, people curious about their spiritual journey, their life as an artist, their life as a healer, how they're going to give to the world. Um, I don't know, just kind of fishing, being in that. Is there something that you want to share or say? Yeah. Um, uh, It's funny, but I'm on to a very sort of pedestrian level here. But I'm into it. I I love um, talking about being an artist not as something that is like winning the lottery or getting approval by some gatekeeper that then makes it possible for you to do what you do. Mm. I love the the fact that um, that when you travel to other countries and you realize that, you know, we're not going to starve here in the States. It's really difficult to starve to death in the States. I mean, uh, so we have some choices. We have some options. Mm. And we have the option to not buy stuff that will require us to work at things that we don't love. We can live really simply. And mm. that's really hard to do emotionally because we feel the judgment of the society that says, that says, wait a minute, you're not contributing to the gross national product. You're somehow, you know, like not good. And so it requires a really strong counterweight in your own sort of what you read, the kind of conversations you have, the kind of the way you remind yourself that you're making an active choice to spend your most valuable resource, your time, doing what only you can do. And so this is a daring thing. And on, on the first level, you'd wonder why, as a society, would we make it so difficult for people to do that? Why would we, like, really intimidate them and, and 
make people feel ashamed of living simply in order to work at what they love. And I think it's not necessarily intentional, but you can you can tell the story in a, such a way that it winds up being kind of a good um, a good story. You can say, as a culture, we really appreciate people who have the power to uh, consistently return to their yearning, their longing, consistently return to their own heart and, and consistently remind themselves of what's important and what they can bring to the world. And, and we want people who are able to Do the work that we wish was easy, but in the long run is never easy. We, we want people to be able to um, push back against the, the, the ambient culture that would say you don't have permission to be yourself. And we want people who dare to do that. And in order to, like, really pick out the best ones, we have a really tough entrance exam. Mm -hmm. We have this culture that says to everybody who wants to do that, okay, you can do this, you're just going to have to learn how to like yourself when you fear that the society doesn't value you. Mm. Is that okay? And most people say, no, no. that's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> but as a culture, that's what we do. That's mm. how we sort of vote with our feet. That's we make it difficult. And I think a way to kind of tell that story in a way that's positive is to say, um, we don't want the, the timid. You know, like, everybody's a poet when they're 12. Right. But how many poets are there, you know, that are 50? There's fewer. <laughs> and it's because, what does it take to open up your writing and say, here, mm. I made this for you. This is my heart. And and so the people who stay bold are the people who work at it. And the people who work at not just their craft, not just what they do, but they work mostly on the why. They work mostly on the why. They work mostly on the how is it that I could not do this, you know? And and they they change everything if that's what it takes. They decide to live in a tiny house or they decide to live in, in a community where they can get the, the expenses down to the level. You know, it's just like if you're building an airplane, you know, you have a certain amount of lift. Now if you can just get the weight down so that the lift is more than the weight and the drag, suddenly it will fly. It just will. And, you know, there are examples of this where, you know, even if you make an airplane pedal-powered, you can work the parameters of the design so that it will fly. So you can say to yourself, well, I'm an artist, but I know that I'll probably never make more than, you know, such and such a year. And you say, well, is it possible in this country to live for less than that? And if it is, you can fly. And what do you mean fly? Doesn't this look like living in poverty for the sake of some ideal? And isn't that sort of like shameful and disgraceful and, well, yes, in the eyes of a lot of people, 
but you could almost imagine in this lovely sort of abstract sense that people are just trying to give you the best gift of all which is the requirement that you do the work so that you become the person who could sustain that ambient culture and still know who you are. Mm. <laughs> Blam. Boom. <laughs> David Wilcox, walking medicine, dear friend. Thank you so much for having us on this journey across the country. And shout out to Nance and Nate, who we also love dearly. And, and before we shut off the recorder, I think we should walk around the house and into the band practice room. <laughs> so if you want to come with us, we're going to go into the center of the jam. Man. just listening from the skylights in the backyard but now we're going to enter the stairs we're going to go up through the portal into the heart of the sound
Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much. And thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sophia. <laughs> Remember, everything that we talked about in today's episodes will be in the show notes. So go there for links. For more content that you're going to love, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to this podcast. Share this episode with anybody you think you'll enjoy it. And share the love with a rate or a review wherever you listen. And to find out about all the mad adventures I'm up to, check me out on Instagram at SophiaWiseOne uh, or come to my website, SophiaWiseOne.com. I am Sophia Wise One, daughter of the wind. I am calling you to rise up, rise up, rise up, rise up and take your place. Thank you, gorgeous. I am thrilled and grateful for your support listening to this podcast. I want to invite you to come check out the Patreon. If you think this podcast is the bee's news and you're grateful that it exists, I want you to know I'm grateful that you exist. Come join the Patreon. I call it the temple. We are healing. We are musicking. We are podcasting. We are together. Come check it out. You can find it through Patreon backslash Sophia Wise One or through my website, sophiawiseone.com. Y'all know you need to hear that, though. You know. If you don't know, now you know. If you don't know. Okay. Yo, I'm so excited about Vagina Talks right now. Don't pretend like you don't know this is the best podcast you've ever listened to. Don't pretend like you don't know. You know.